This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Spearfish, South Dakota. If you've never explored the Black Hills of South Dakota, Spearfish is the place to start. Picture a free-spirited town in the middle of a million-acre national forest. There are pine woods all over and mountains on all sides. Here, there's all kinds of adventures to be had. Hiking, mountain biking, rock climbing, fly fishing, and much more. You can start in Spearfish Canyon for unreal scenes and waterfalls like Bridal Veil Falls. Then stretch your legs on 76 Trail, Crow Peak, and Old Baldy. When you've worked up an appetite, come back into town for local cuisine and craft brews. And don't just take it from me. Go to TripAdvisor, type in Spearfish Canyon, and read what visitors have to say about the place. Get a free adventure guide to this unique destination at visitspearfish.com. This episode is also brought to you by Victorinox Swiss Army. You know the brand. They make the iconic red Swiss Army knife. But did you know that they also make best-in-class kitchen knives, luggage, fragrance, and Swiss-made watches? Founded in Switzerland in 1884, the company is still owned and operated by the family that invented the Swiss Army knife over 130 years ago. That knife is still as functional as it was then, but now you can browse hundreds of styles from the rescue tool designed with first responders to get out of a vehicle safely to the wine master designed specifically to open a bottle of wine. They also make kitchen knives that are razor sharp out of the package and stay sharp so you can focus on making dinner. Their watches will take you from the boardroom to the open road with a style to suit every taste. Their travel gear ranges from suitcases to backpacks for a quick weekend getaway or a week-long trip. Find all these trusted products for your next adventure at victorinox.com. Outside podcast listeners save 15% using the code OUTSIDE15. That's victorinox.com and code OUTSIDE15 to save 15% now through April 17th. Some exclusions apply. From Outside Magazine and PRX, this is the Outside Podcast. Hello, Outside Podcast listeners. This is your host, Michael Roberts. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that while the coronavirus is massively impacting the lives and jobs of everyone who works at Outside, here at the podcast, we're going to continue to bring you the unique mix of great stories that you've enjoyed over the last four years. We believe that in this incredibly difficult moment, these stories, which aren't directly about the pandemic, still very much matter, and that they're worth listening to. That includes today's episode by an old friend who many of you know well. Hey everybody, this is Peter Frickwright, former Outside Podcast host, now off doing big, deep-dive, long-form projects. But when I stepped away from the show back in January, I promised I'd be back to share those big, deep-dive projects right here in the Outside feed. So here I am. It's a story I've been doing with the website Long Reads and the writer Rachel Newer about a problem that's gone from being a conservation issue to one of public safety. And that problem is the fact that, thanks to some legal loopholes, there are more tigers in captivity in the United States right now than all of the wild tigers combined anywhere in the world. You'll hear us say that in the series, too. It's kind of mind-boggling. And that's just tigers. It doesn't count the lions, cougars, leopards, and other big cats that people keep in cages. It's not great for the cats, and it's really not great for the people nearby when, inevitably, those cats get out. Because then what do you do? 
Today, we have the story of what one group of police officers were forced to do when a man named Terry Thompson let loose 18 tigers, 17 lions, 8 bears, and a handful of other animals. And then he shot himself in the head. It's the first episode of a four-part series called Cat People. So look for that in your podcast app to get the rest of the series. Here it is. Nine one one. Yes, this is Mrs. Kobchak on Kobchak Road, and we live next to Terry Thompson, and there's a bear and a lion out. There's a bear and a lion out? Yeah, right up behind us. What's your name? Kobchak. What's your first name, ma'am? Dolores. And it's behind your house? Pardon me? Is it behind your house? Is it behind your house? Yeah, it's up in, and they're chasing their Terry's horses. I tried to get him, but there's no answer. Okay, I'll send it over. Thank you. Uh-huh. Dispatch trout. Hi, uh, my name's Tom Meredith. Um, me and my son just went by the uh, 152 mile marker on Interstate 70 going uh, to be eastbound. And down at Terry Thompson's. A bear and a lion? A lion's loose. Okay, we'll send someone out to check it out. Uh, okay, I didn't, I didn't yep, know. Yep, we got did. a call. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, so it was October 2010. And this disgruntled guy in Ohio named Terry Thompson, he owned all these wild animals, like dozens of them. Complaint advised there is a bear and a lion loose running in the area. And a lot of them were big cats. We're talking like lions, tigers, cougars, maybe some leopards. And Terry had just gone to federal prison for a while on some gun charges. And uh, this I heard from um, a source, but... When he stood in front of the judge, he said something like, you know, if you lock me up, the first thing I'm going to do when I get out is I'm going to let all my animals loose on Zanesville and I'm going to blow my brains out. If you haven't already done so, see if we have any phone numbers for Terry Thompson. See if we can get him, get over him. From Long Reads, this is Cat People, a four-part miniseries about the strange relationships people have with otherwise wild cats. I'm Peter Frickwright. My co-host is Rachel Neuer. I'm author of a book called Poached, Inside the Dark World of Wildlife Trafficking. We begin in Zanesville, Ohio. Okay, so he gets out of prison. He lets, he opens the cages to all of his animals and shoots himself in the head. And then what happens? Well, then people start noticing because Terry's farm or his compound, whatever you want to call it, was right on a main road. 54 to 45. I have a wolf in the roadway. What do you advise? Okay, is it being aggressive? Negative. Just trotting down the middle of the road. Do you remember where you were or what you were doing when you first heard that there were um, bears and lions and tigers on the loose? Uh, Like it was yesterday. The guy in charge that night was Sheriff Matthew Lutz. He was actually um, off duty when this happened, and he got a phone call alerting him that, hey, you need to come back to work. Um, well, it, the, the call came into our office around uh, 5 p.m., a little after 5 p.m., and uh, my captain, uh, Jeff Lecoque, who you'll speak to later, uh, called and said, hey, we, we may have a problem out at, at Thompson's farm. 
Well, again, I'm hearing the radio traffic, and before I get on the scene, you know, our deputies are actually starting to encounter some of these animals. A Bengal tiger along the fence line, I said. And you're hearing this, but in my mind, I'm still not thinking that they're all out. I copy a single tiger along the fence line, S-19. If they're not out of the fence, do not shoot it. Be advised, OSP just called me. There is supposed to still be a lion loose. Someone's got it cornered at 300, code check, 300, code check. So kind of was one of those deals, the longer you drove there, the closer you got, kind of the worse. But by the radio traffic, you knew this thing was getting worse. Match cancel. It's the city. Uh-huh. Somebody on the interstate you need us to watch for? Or? Uh, it's a bear. Because of all this green that you guys are chasing, somebody on the interstate. <laughs> no, it's a bear. It's a bear they're chasing. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Be advised, we had a report from a female at 3455 Ridge Road, 3455 Ridge Road, that her son and her husband were supposed to be hunting on a property behind Terry's house. She cannot get a hold of them. You know, it was in that it was in that drive that I made uh, the, the the decision and gave the order to put down the animals um, that were trying, if any of them were trying to get off the property or had got off the property. Okay, put the word out. If it's close to the fence and it looks like it's coming over, I don't want it out. Clear. Units copy that. If it looks like it's coming out of the fence, put it down. Okay, there were several leopards who will climb trees. There were several leopards that will climb trees. Okay, I hear you shooting down there. You need to be careful towards the house. Make sure you're watching where we're going towards the house. We do have units up there dispatching as well. And, um, I mean, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, you could just tell by the amount of rounds that were being fired that all of these animals were probably loose. Nobody knew how many animals Terry had because he didn't have to, like, report them or, like, take a census of them and turn it into the city or anything like that. Do you guys have any idea how many animals that he has? I, I don't have a count. You don't have a count? No. Wow. So there's no, they don't even know when they'll be done. Like, it's not like if they can account for every animal. No, they have no idea. Jeez. I'm with Federal Probation. My name is Joe Moore. Terry Thompson is my client. Mm -hmm. And I understand that the animals were all turned loose. There was, I know there was at least three cougars on that left-hand side, probably six to seven tigers and a few lions. Uh, I couldn't see what was on the other side because he had it all tarped. Okay. But then the big lion has one Zimba, and the two big females were behind the big barn. And then the black bears were over the hill that way. Wow. Okay. Luckily, they later found a caretaker who gave them a full inventory of Terry's animals. That way they at least knew what they're up against. I mean, he started to, to count off for me just the number of big cats that he had. Uh, and, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, there's probably zoos that don't have this many big cats uh, in them at one time. And, and he gets up to a count of somewhere in the low 50s. This is bullshit. I just want to say that out there right now. This is bullshit. We knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. Um, and, you know, nightfall is quickly approaching. Around that time, they find Terry's body 
up kind of up on his property? Uh, actually, uh, Steve Blake, who was my sergeant in charge that night, actually had drove up to the house. And uh, he was trying to make, uh, you know, to find out what was going on to give us more information. And uh, he had saw Terry laying in the driveway, appeared to be deceased. Couldn't get out because there was animals around. Um, but but he had uh, was able to notice him there. And when you say animals are around, were any of them actually consuming the body? Um, well, I, I'm not sure exactly what Sergeant Blake saw, but... Um, once we did the investigation, there was there was evidence that uh, something um, had been um, eating at him. Yes, we we assumed it was one of the big cats. And the hunt for these animals it goes on all night, and at some point it gets really stormy. It's like pouring rain. There there was a, a storm front moving in. It actually sort of helped them in a way, however, because animals will tend to hunker down. So it helped in the sense that animals weren't, like, running long distances that night. You said you were with the National Guard? Absolutely. Okay. I do need some personnel from our National Guard here locally on standby. And if, if possible, if we need it, do you guys have access to night vision? We can attempt. Okay. Um, and by the time they wrapped up, I think it had been about 24 hours. So it was all night kind of maintaining a perimeter. Then the next day, like, hunting down the remaining animals. Sheriff's Officer South Sainsville. Hi. Uh, I just heard about these animals that's loose. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if you needed any big guns out there to help with them or not. Not right now, but I'll take your name and number. And if we do, I will let you know. I don't think you'd want it with a lion or a tiger. You wouldn't want nothing smaller than a 300 win mag. Yeah, right now I think they're putting them down. They've put a few of them down with ARs. But, yeah, I will let you know if they need you out there. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to come right back. Do you want to know the secret to total health and happiness? Like the real, real secret? You're actually listening to it right now. It's movement. Not hardcore exercise, not a diet plan, just movement. And lots of it. As in at least two hours a day, even if you get up early to run or go to the gym before work. We've reported on this a lot at Outside lately. There's really nothing better you can do for your physical and mental health. Of course... Two hours a day, that's a lot of movement, right? The only way I'm able to pull it off is walking. And the way I got myself walking more was a sweet pair of shoes. I found my two hours a day stride in a pair of Allbirds, which you might have heard is the world's most comfortable shoe. And that's true. Putting them on, it's like giving your feet a big hug. But what you might not know is that all of Allbirds shoes are made from premium natural materials. The uppers of the high tops I'm wearing right now are made with ZQ-certified merino wool and Forest Service Council-certified eucalyptus fibers. The awesomely cushioned soles are made with a substance Albert's created called sweet foam. It's derived from sugar cane. All of which is to say, these shoes are doing right by my feet and also doing right by the earth. So when I take my now regular lunch walks or make phone calls while lapping the office courtyard, or choose strange and circuitous routes to the printer, 
And I feel better in all kinds of ways. Allbirds. Shoes made from natural materials. That means less of the bad stuff and more of the good stuff. That's naturally better. Find your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. Welcome back. Before the break, law enforcement was in the final stages of putting down all the animals that had been let loose. And we did have to locate and, and uh, uh, kill uh, another big cat the next morning at 9 o'clock that had actually, uh, you know, got away from the pens and was in a wooded area. And uh, we had, had located that one, too, the next oh, wow. morning. But Was that a tiger um, or a mountain lion or what? I believe it was a tiger. I just wanted to advise you guys. 48 did locate the hunters from Ridge. They're all safe. We have dispatched two more African lions. One is wounded roaming the property break. Um, and the animals were gathered and, and crossed off the inventory list. And then um, Mrs. Thompson, one of the animals, buried on the farm. And we checked with the health department and uh, uh, the agricultural society and, and was advised on how that could happen. And and that's what was happened. That's what happened. And then by that night, we had not got any other complaints. And uh, we had guys checking the back roads all night and all day. And um, that was that was pretty much the end of it. So help me make sense of this. Like, is he is is Terry Thompson making a statement here? I mean, when I asked Sheriff Lutz the same question, and He thought that maybe, like, Terry was just deranged and was sort of trying to, like, give his animals a chance at life outside of their cages and that he would be absolutely appalled if he knew that all of his animals were hunted down and killed. Others, however, thought Terry was doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He was getting revenge on the town, on the local police, and uh, this was an act of terror, not one of mercy. After the event, did you experience any repercussions like blowback from the public for shooting oh. animals, criticism about <laughs> things? Well, that's that's probably the understatement of this interview so far. <laughs> um, Great. We had, uh, I, I cannot tell you how many um, uh, hate calls, hate emails. Um, there was just so much of that. Yes, hi. Uh, this is a concerned citizen. I wanted to voice my opinion on your handling of the situation of the escaped animals down there. I saw it on Newsnet 5 that you are killing them. You've killed 25 so far. God only knows how many you really have killed. You have the people down there from the world-renowned Columbus Zoo, and they could be tranquilizing them and taking care of this. But you people are going out and slaughtering these animals slaughtering them with uh, no care for their life whatsoever. You should be tranquilizing them and trying to help them back to safety. This is not some kind of hunting expedition. This should be dealt with with care for the animals. They are living creatures. And I am going to alert the world news as to the slaughter that you were causing to these innocent creatures down there. This is ridiculous. I am so disappointed that you could act this way towards innocent creatures. 
I mean, all that said, did you have any misgivings about giving that order or was it just a no brainer? No, no, I've never had a second thought about that till this day. You know, I wish we could have done something sooner that maybe we could have done routine visits at Mr. Thompson's farm and maybe, uh, you know, maybe with permits, he wouldn't have been able to have these animals and then therefore we wouldn't have had to kill them. Thirty-eight big cats, leopards, mountain lions, tigers, African lions. Then we got bears. And we got baboons. And everything you can think of was turned loose. So that's Tim Harrison. He's a now retired cop slash firefighter slash paramedic from Ohio, and he was on the scene that night. He's also the go-to guy in Ohio and pretty much the whole Midwest that first responders call every time they come across a dangerous animal. You know, whether it be a tiger or some kind of venomous snake. Everybody wants a tiger cub, but nobody wants a tiger. So when you get to that point, when they become sexually mature and don't need you anymore, or they actually act like a real wild animal, they get scared and they call me. So the crazy thing about all this is, depending on where you live, it can be completely legal to own a tiger or a lion. You don't have to register it. You don't have to have some kind of special license. In 2010, the year that Terry Thompson was in prison, There was a short-term executive order in place that made it harder for him to own exotic animals. But then a new governor came along and he let it expire. If it hadn't expired, Tim and his colleagues could have come onto Terry's property when he was in prison and seized those animals. But that didn't happen. Well, I just talked to somebody who said that the news stated uh, he had like 50 tigers. And so I said, no, mm, I don't know that there's that many tigers in the south of state, and they said they had permits. I said, you can't have that many tigers even with a permit. Well, there is no state law, so yeah, he can. He can? <laughs> yeah, that's the catch. That's the problem. That's why we've been dealing with him for the last three years involving things like this. I just want to always say it wasn't the cops' fault. It wasn't the sheriff's fault. It was the legislation's fault. It was the governor's fault for not signing that legislation. And it's, not, it's the fault of the people that had the power. So Zanesville happened almost 10 years ago now, and luckily Ohio did uh, change a few of its rules pertaining to big cat ownership as a result. But in Ohio, as is the case nationally, loopholes still abound. It's still possible and in many cases very easy to get your hands on a tiger or lion to be your new pet. And this stuff is still happening, you know, lions running down interstates or tigers found in backyards. And Tim is still the person who usually gets those calls. And we just recently had you in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, where the tiger came out of nowhere on the Interstate 75, jumped down and went down into the, the suburban area where kids are getting ready to come out to the bus. So what happens? It attacks a dog because the dog actually attacked it. And police officers show up and they have to shoot it and kill it. Perfect example. And then we got Houston, Texas. We'll just start going across the country here. Houston, Texas, tiger in a house. Some drug truck guys go in, smoke a little, smoke a little weed, and all of a sudden there's a tiger in a cage. Wow, here comes law enforcement coming in there. It was actually just one woman in Houston that went in that house to smoke pot and found a tiger. But then there was also this incident in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when a lion got out and there was video of it prowling around the streets, but no one could actually find the lion. The whole city shut down. Okay, they had a videotape of it and everything else. I had to help the PIO with that one because what happens is, is that law enforcement doesn't know what, they, what, what we're going to say. You can't keep TNT. It's illegal for you to keep it in the city limits, but you can keep a tiger. 
We have a big cat problem in this country. Big cats are kept holed up by private citizens in oftentimes deplorable and dangerous conditions. We only actually hear about these animals when they get out, though, or when something bad happens. Nobody even knows how many of these animals are out there because there's no, like, overall federal oversight of big cat ownership. It's only in the last few months, in fact, that that's started to change a little bit, that laws actually seem like they might be passed to tighten up this world of big cat ownership. That's partly thanks to this insane, can't-make-this-up, murder-for-hire plot that really rocked the conservation world. After just three short hours, nearly four hours, the jury came back finding Joseph Maldonado Passage guilty on all 19 counts. Two of those largest ones were the alleged use of interstate commerce for murder for hire. They found him guilty on those two charges. But before we get to that story, you really need to know how we got here in the first place. So in this series, we're going to take you into the crazy, weird world of big cat owners, breeders, and dealers. And to do that, I'm going to introduce you to this woman named Deb Pierce. You must be Deb. Her story is really typical for big cat owners. Thank you so much for having us. This is Michael. He's going to be. And it's not a happy one. Invisibly recording us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's probably not going to like him. She doesn't like most men. So take it personal. She's just. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. It's a very large lion. <laughs> That's the first episode of Cat People, a new series from Long Reads with Rachel Neuer and Peter Frick Wright. It was produced by Peter, Rachel, and Audrey Quinn with music and sound design by Robbie Carver and editing by Mike Dang. You can listen to the rest of this series by searching for Cat People wherever you get your podcasts. And you can read an accompanying feature story by Rachel Neuer at longreads.com slash catpeople. This episode was brought to you by Spearfish South Dakota. Get an adventure guide to this unique destination at visitspearfish.com. This episode was also brought to you by Victorinox Swiss Army maker of all kinds of trustworthy travel products. Go to victornox.com and use the code OUTSIDE15 to save 15% on your order through April 17th. And this episode was brought to you by Allbirds, the world's most comfortable shoes, which are made from premium natural materials. Find your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. We'll be back next week.